Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. Welcome everybody back to Mixed Company podcast. Yeah. It's 2020, which means that you are very lucky you are even getting an episode out yes. of us December. Yes. <laughs> That that is the truth of all of this. Um, I don't know when's the last time we've recorded. Uh, it was a month ago. We did. Oh, we yeah. did. Okay. We did. Oh, that's right. I was in Jamaica. You yes. were. Yeah. I made sure. I'm like the consistency levels of 2020. If you have if you have been able to keep your friendships, relationships, podcast ships together, you have won 2020. Yes. <laughs> You've got and at least 12 episodes from us this year. You really did. <laughs> and so I I'm happy with that. Sim, how are you feeling um, as we are entering into the second half of the 12th month of the craziest year ever in life? Um, I feel like we're in retrograde, but this whole entire year feels like retrograde. So at this point, um, I just want it to be over. Like you know, like Keisha Cole? Oh, yes. <laughs> you want to know what's funny? My pattern app, because I've gotten to that point in my life where I now need my apps to tell me about like the cosmic, whatever the hell is happening. So like, I know it's not me going crazy, but the pattern <laughs> app the pattern app told me that we were between two full moons. And I was like, you know, I, I don't know what that means, but it was scary. And so everything that happened, <laughs> I just kind of like charged it to the two full moons. Like I'm obviously everything in life is crashing around me and the world is ending and it's fine. It's two full moons. So yes. we're, we're past that. Um, and, and we're here <laughs> for another I episode. I don't know where here is, but, um, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know who is here, and luckily for us, like we have another voice in in this in this year of of pseudo quarantine and not being able to network. We've managed to make it happen, and so we have a fantastic guest joining us today. We've got Laurel Rossi uh, of Creative Spirit here, uh, who's going to share a little bit uh, or a lot, hopefully, about. Uh, her endeavors with Creative Spirit and everything we need to know about partnering with them in 2020. Laurel, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. So fun to be here. I was thinking about one thing. I think the best thing that's happened, even in the advertising business this year, is that there's a dog in every single commercial, every single TV show. <laughs> Literally, I started counting at the beginning. It was like seven out of 10, and now it's 10 out of 10. Oh, man, this is where we are. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we are, man. Well, I'm really excited to have you here. Um, I, I, I love that you're on the show and I was sharing with um, uh, Simeon and, and Laurel before we actually started recording. Uh, Laurel and I met at a very interesting time in my career. Uh, shout out to the Advertising Club. They've been amazing partners, uh, especially in 2020 for us. Um, but I met Laurel right after I was coming off of my hiatus from advertising uh, that I speak about often where sometimes you just have to like distance yourself from a toxic boyfriend. Um, and Laurel was one of the nicest and most engaging people to kind of welcome me back um, and start to socialize me again uh, within some agencies to, to, you know, get back in the interviewing game, get, get my face back in the streets and get back to work. And so I thank you for the, for that opportunity. And I thank you for being, for saying yes to being on the show. Uh, it means a lot, your support. 
That's that was welcome. Easy. That's easy to say say uh, yes to you. I I think you know it's a challenging industry. I think finding the bright spots um, is something that we all have to remind ourselves of and do from time to time. So I really. I thank you for letting us have that conversation. And this one, this is like a near and dear to my heart. It's the end of the of a tough year, but it's also the beginning of some new stuff. So absolutely, absolutely. And speaking about bright spots, we'll go ahead and kick off with you know my heart and my soul and and the heart and soul of this podcast that gets us going. We've got dope shit and we've got ain't shit. And I'm just gonna tell y'all at this point, I don't want to talk about anything else that's not shit. Let's just talk about the shit. And Simeon, I'll let you kick off. Agreed. Um, As most of us have been doing throughout this uh, pandemic, uh, watching TV has been our saving grace. And so there's been been, uh, uh, Amazon released a miniseries called Small Acts, which is a compilation of five films that were directed by Steve McQueen. Mm. Um, And I have to say, like, this is like the one of the few times in my adulthood when I watched something and I felt seen. And mm-hmm. it was like the small, all of the films are uh, revolve around the lives of West Indian, West Indian immigrants in London uh, during the 1960s and the 1970s. Oh, our parents. Um, basically our parents. Um, but this is like one of the few moments on screen where you see like West Indian people and they don't have fake accents. Like everybody sounds <laughs> authentic. Uh, the music is authentic. The clothes were authentic. The the colloquialisms were authentic. Mm. It felt like I was in the room with my grandparents when, when they were doing ratchet shit at my age. Mm. Uh, so like this, I think we're on like the, the fourth one just aired last week and this week is the last one. Um, but I've been, this is the most I've enjoyed TV throughout the pandemic, watching this series, uh, Small Acts. So that is my dope shit. I think part of why we do this show is to advocate for these moments of representation, authentic representation, where we see ourselves in mm-hmm. uh, creativity. And this is one of those moments where I really felt seen. Um, and I'm just going to be their, their advocate and tell everybody to go watch it because it's dope shit. It's funny that you said that because when you text me out of the blue, like, go watch this. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Why am I going to watch that? And then you explained it. I was like, oh, but like, this is where we are now. Because even to hear you say that is a really great thing because, you know, we have the conversation all the time about what it looks like to segment demographics and what does it look like to target, quote unquote, a black market or a Latino market yeah. and recognizing like, this is what intersectionality looks like. Targeting Black people in the United States does not necessarily only mean, it, it's not limited to the African-American experience. There are people like us who are first generation, uh, first generation children, if you will, of, of immigrants from the Caribbean and Latin America that has its own experience that the only time you hear about those experiences is when you, you know, look to your left or your right and you meet somebody and you're like, where are you from? And it's like, well, my parents are from Jamaica. My parents are from Panama. And I'm like, ooh, so you get it. You know, (laughs) you know about rice and beans for lunch every day. Like you get it, you get, you know, what's breakfast? Breakfast is bun, like that's it. Like, you know, the other interesting thing too is like this year versus was one of the, the phenoms that took off during the pandemic. And so like watching this, you could kind of see 
the the roots of verses mm-hmm. and these house parties where they're battling and they're having these sound mm-hmm. clashes. So like to me, this was this was definitely like one of the moments where I was like, oh shit, somebody got it right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got it really, really, really right. So if you because you saw yourself, yeah, one hundred percent. So yeah, that's my dope shit. Um, it's probably representation the biggest, matters. Yes, yes at all representation matters. always matters. It matters. Yeah. It matters. It matters. People recognize it. Um, well, that's good. So I will go in and talk to you guys about my dope shit. So um, as you guys know, all of the trade publications always put out their top lists of ads and campaigns throughout the year. Um, and as Simeon said, we have been glued to content throughout the entirety of this year. Uh, whether we were looking at uh, our, our phones and apps and television worrying about um, an impeachment, remember that happened in January, (laughs) or whether we were trying to figure out what to do with all of this time we now had in our homes. I was, I've, I've watched a lot of screens. Like my screen time has been through the roof. Um, And with my screen time being through the roof, I literally have done nothing else, but like pay all of the attention to advertising and campaigns, um, all through the year. And so Adweek put together their top uh, advertisements and it just so happened my my top five were in them. Um, And so I'm going to share them with you guys and we'll post links to them um, so you can view them on social media when this comes out. But really, 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 um, in a year where creativity seemed like it was gonna be limited and collaboration seemed like it was impossible, we really pulled out the stops. So my top, Five includes uh, the recent release of Beats by Dre's You Love Me, speaking of representation. um, Visually, obviously the representation was there as it spoke specifically to black culture, but I think what was even more important were two things that I I, I think kind of went over people's heads. The first was the, um, basically the messaging through the campaign and really, really, really standing in the mirror and acknowledging this, this, thing that we speak about in the black community where it's like, you know, Sprite will always use a hip hop song to, uh, to, to, to sell its, its product. Uh, you'll always try to partner a rapper with a main brand. But when it comes to moments like back in May and June, where we ask ourselves questions about whether or not we value the black bodies and the black people that you've come to build relationship with, do you actually love me as much mm-hmm. as you love the culture that you feel I represent? And I feel like that's such a hard conversation to have, even uh, it's a hard conversation to have in a lifetime that they yep. started to have in uh, a matter of uh, a couple of minutes and a couple of seconds, depending on which uh, iteration or version of the ad that you saw. Um, the other thing that was super powerful about this campaign is that it was written and shot by Melina Matskusa um, and Lena Waithe, who are the writer and producers of Queen and Slim which in recent history is one of the most um, praised uh, uh, movies within black culture, because again, of the representation and the vast representation of what that looks like from, again, being a first generation American, uh, you know, tackling, um, tackling issues with police and tackling issues with relationships because dating is hard no matter who you are. Um, and it was just beautifully shot and so well written and and by, you know, some of our favorite folks in the entertainment business that how do you not love something that feels so authentic 
um, Like You Love Me from Beats by Dre. Um, speaking about love and dating, uh, uh, Match.com got really tongue and cheeky with their um, Match Made in Hell campaign, uh, yep. which really set me for a loop. I had a long conversation with my own therapist about it because it reminded me of my own dating life, uh, finding Satan uh, and, and, and you know, frolicking around the world while, while there's a dumpster fire behind you. Uh, but also categorizing and reminding us, you know, we have not seen movie theaters all for much of this year. We, many of you did not have toilet paper for about two months um, and blaming it on Satan and his, his, his uh, love in question uh, in 2020. And what killed me at the end was, you know, Satan and, and his, his girlfriend just saying, you know, they wish this year would never end. Meanwhile, the rest of us are clawing just to get to the end of this week. Um, so shout out to them for, for really, really, really doing something fun um, and making us laugh to keep from crying. Uh, Apple's working, the whole working from home thing campaign really struck a nerve with a whole bunch of us earlier in the summer. Yes. Um, I've never seen a more accurate depiction of my life and what it's been like working with my colleagues while being remote. Um, and it's an extension from their campaign last year, which focused on uh, what it's like to work in a team and, and be the underdogs that um, are able to execute an idea. Um, and so we laughed, we, we cried, and we cheered them on while they aced their pitch. Um, Calm, the Calm app, I would say that they really hit the, the nail on the head uh, when they introduced pettiness, what I constituted as pettiness into their campaign as they sponsored the election results on CNN this year. I don't know about you and your anxiety and your intake of alcohol, but me, myself and Kai over at Casa de Kai here, we really needed the Calm app and the good folks over at the Calm app to help us through these election results. Um, regardless of what side you were on and who you were leaning towards, our anxiety levels were through the roof. And I really felt like that was a fantastic partnership um, and a fantastic use of, of understanding of culture, not just you know trying to sell me something, but really ingraining and embedding yourself in culture. So that was great. And then lastly, for those of you that are interested at all in advertising overseas, um, I need you guys to check out some work that the FCB folks did uh, with the Mumbai police. Uh, so they had this campaign uh, that had been circulating uh, called a, calling it the punishing signal. And essentially, if you've ever lived in a major city during, uh, uh, during um, why can't I think of the word right now? Rush hour. Rush, rush hour. hour traffic, <laughs> just like the movie. During rush hour traffic and all of the honking. Basically, long story short, they put in these traffic lights that would only turn green if the sound was under a certain level of decibels and you could not move until everyone basically calmed down their honking. Imagine being late for your interview, to pick up your kids, to get to the grocery store before it closed or whatever, and you can't move because the people around you are honking their asses off. Um, and effectively it changed behavior. It was a great partnership um, and a hell of a funny video to watch um, for those of us that don't drive because I don't have time for that kind of anxiety in my life. So those are my top five ad campaigns of the year. We'll post some links so you guys can review them. 
Um, thank God I had time to review them and and view them and keep me keep me keep me safe at night uh, with my thoughts. So I wasn't thinking about being locked in my apartment all year. Um, and yeah, I'm just thankful to advertising for getting me through 2020. That was pretty solid. I've seen all of those. <laughs> it was good. It was good. I think one of the things that's so amazing about it is you've got you've got brands that you were sure were going to implode this year and you've got startups mm. or things that you think are like startups like a comp who managed mm-hmm. to pull it out and with all the restaurants sort of collapsing and crashing and even good advertising from them helped to save the day and curbside of course they did, they did definitely saving the day and I think saving the day is a great segue into welcoming Laurel and saying thank you again for joining us. Uh, so for those of you that may not already know Laurel, Laurel, just kind of bring up your bio here. So Laurel Rossi is the Chief Partnerships Officer for Organic, uh, part of Omnicom, and was previously the Chief Marketing Officer of OMD. She's an award-winning marketer and digital-first marketing expert with more than 20 years of experience developing marketing for global brands like Verizon, uh, Boeinger, Ingelheim, Boeinger, Ingelheim, City, Revlon, AT&T, and Amgen. Laurel, you've done it all. Like that's a lot. Like I've only touched like three of those brands so far and, and I have a long ways to go. So we wanna welcome Laurel to the show. Um, talk to you a little bit about who you are, how you got here, and more importantly, let's chat Creative Spirit, which was founded in Australia by David uh, Nobay, uh, who's currently the chairman and founder at Marcel Advertising in Sydney. Uh, so we're excited. We're excited nice. to have this conversation. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Absolutely. Just, that experience is... Um, not nearly as important as what's relevant right now, right? You're only as good as what's um, relevant today. And I think the reason that I'm so excited to talk to you and hear what you guys have to say today as well, um, both about creative spirit and about what's going on is, you know, the what's really relevant is how we're connecting with people. I mean, if, if any year taught us anything about connecting with people, it was 2020. And I think that some mm-hmm. of the advertisers you mentioned and then others have gone uh, much, much further in terms of, you know, bringing up relevant touch points. And also I was thinking about, um, talk about uh, COVID malaise and what you watch. I watched the, I watched the Doobie, uh, the Bee Gees. Oh, wow. Right. And you're like, why would you watch that? No, um, I love the Bee Gees, but also <laughs> like, I don't hear that often. So I'm not alone. <laughs> I'm thinking HBO Max that it was going to be great. I knew that, um, Misky Park to, you know, say the disco was over. But the best part of the documentary, and I, I really gave him a lot of credit, was they had, they they got to toward the end and they started to talk about how, um, not related to the Bee Gees, but they had Vince Lawrence and they started to talk about how Black artists for years and years and years have not gotten the credit and the profit um, that everybody else has. And they said it kind of dated, but they were trying to make the, you know, and the Bee Gees and all of that, but truthfully, it's dated back to the 50s, frankly. So I was kind of excited about that because I thought it was going to go in one direction, and they did hit a relevancy chord with me in terms of what's going on from a social justice perspective. So that, I watched that on Sunday, and I was like really excited about that. Awesome. That's Love beautiful. Yeah. So, Laura, let's start talking creative spirit. So right. tell us about how you got involved, 
Um, and and exactly tell us what it is. So I don't have I I won't go into it. You tell us what it is, and we'll let Fair you enough. kick off. All roads lead back to the advertising industry, at least in my life. Um, so I met David Nobe at an Andy Awards judging at Club. Um, sponsors the Andy Awards, big international awards show. I'm sitting there having dinner, and he says, "You know, I I hired this individual with Down syndrome out of the blue." This is our kind of dinner conversation. Lloyd Fernandez, you have to meet him and you have to take what I started called creative spirit and bring it to the States. I was like, whoa, 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 back up the minivan. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, he said, yeah, yeah, I, you know, he, here he is, the chief creative officer at Droga 5. And what, instead of talking about, you know, creative and awards, we start talking about this kid he hired who had Down syndrome and how it changed his life. And I have a daughter with Williams syndrome. So you talk about motivations in your life, mm -hmm. very rare disease, you know, kind of at the pinnacle of my career, you know, was I going to lean into what was going on with her? Was I going to carry on my career? And it turned out leading into, leading into my career and leading into what was going on with her was the best thing I ever did. And I connected the pieces between what David was talking about and where um, uh, my life was going. And so started Creative Spirit in 2017. It's an organization that helps find for individuals, in particular, those with intellectual, developmental, and learning disabilities. And those um, are things that are the material in that 85% um, of people with IDDs or intellectual disabilities go on to not work not have a life, not do a lot of things because they are extraordinarily impoverished and completely underestimated by the community at large. So that's sort of the humble beginnings, if you will. For, for people who don't know, what are some of the most common IDDs that yeah. Creative Spirit advocates for? Uh, autism, um, I, uh, dyslexia, which is so mm. pervasive and uh, think about a lot of invisible disabilities, right? Things that you don't see every single day. And we, we help people with physical disabilities as well, of course, but um, uh, Down syndrome, Williams syndrome, I, I think you would be hard pressed since it's so pervasive in our society. You're talking about, you know, one out of every five employees in a company is caregiving for somebody with an intellectual disability. Um, you're talking about 60 million people of working age and a billion people around the world. Wow. That's a lot. What are what are some of the common um, misconceptions people have about or, or hiring managers and, and talent professionals have about hiring um, people with IDDs and, and other disabilities? Yeah. So we, we recently did um, some research um, on the subject because it's so not studied. And, you know, we started partnering mm. with corporations. We decided to go to corporations, first of all, because the world mm. I come from. But also, we went to corporations because that's where the majority of the hiring population is. That's where the money is. That's where the training is. That's where the benefits are. All those good things. And so, we did a little research among that population. And we learned that in big companies, you know, the myths are there's no pipeline of candidates, which is partially true. That's why we started Creative Spirit. Um, but also that these individuals have no abilities. And so when we started Quest, to find people who needed a job, frankly, we discovered the population and learned that front-end engineers, back engineers, writers, receptionists, I mean, you name it. The fact of the matter is people with IDDs come from every 
part of ability that you can possibly think of. It really does mimic lesion. That particular myth is a huge barrier to getting people hired. The other is that in human resource departments, let's say, who are now really, really, really super focused on hiring all kinds of people need expertise, right? Because yep. they need to understand how to hire all these folks. And so, you know, they're thinking, oh my God, I don't have the resources. And frankly, they don't. It's not like everybody tripled their staff, certainly not this year. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, one of the that big part. exceptions is it's like super expensive to accommodate people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. Yep, no, um, I know back in 2019 when the when the air wasn't trying to kill us all, um, I did a, 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 a panel with um, Storm Smith from BBDO, uh, who's actually, a, uh, she's deaf, but she's also a producer over there. Um, and one of the main points or pieces of messaging that she championed through our conversation um, was that, you know, people with disabilities aren't burdens. And I, and I find that sometimes that tends to become um, an excuse when, when folks are looking to hire uh, folks who are differently abled um, in any capacity, like, well, well you know, uh, who's going to teach them and, and who's going who's gonna to make sure that they don't need support? And it's like, it's not, it's not necessarily like that. Like, these are differently abled people who also are talented and who also can contribute to the work. And I think that's important to continue to, to, to push forward. Um, what has been your favorite part of, of working with Creative Spirit and this organization? Have there been any bright spots for you along this journey? Um, well, one of the bright spots is a little, um, one of my favorite bright spots is getting asked the question a bunch of times during this year, you know, what is it like managing an organization like Creative Spirit in a pandemic? And I said, if you want to meet the most isolated people on the planet and people who are so used to sort of being by themselves, staring at a screen, you talk to people with disabilities. And so mm. this is the most prepared population <laughs> there you go. for COVID that you could possibly imagine. And so one of the bright spots has been having digitally native individuals who are super bright and super talented and really used to making it on their own you know, really hold their own in the pandemic. And I feel like, you know, we've been like doubly blessed because not only, you know, has the whole economic justice story and social justice story surrounding our folks um, come to light, but it's been a great way to say and demonstrate their independence and their ability because they're jumping into an interview or they're jumping into a Zoom conference like there's no tomorrow in a very different way um, might have expected. And so that's been a great bright spot in terms of being able to prove ability, if you will. The other bright spot is this is the first time we've had an opportunity to really get out of the thing that I almost hate the most about advocacy in some ways. It's going to sound crazy, but, you know, it, if, if you're for this, it's not about or something else. And every one of the problems that we have socially are layered with other problems. And so, you know, I often get asked, and, and this, I'll come around to the bright spot in a minute. Um, I often get asked like, well, you know, first of all, let me back up. Only 10 or 10% 10 of companies are even thinking about hiring people with disabilities. So the bar is really low. So the, the height, the bright spot is that the bar is going to be really high soon because we're going to get it on everybody's agenda. There you go. Um, but the, the really fantastic thing that's happened is that it's given us an opportunity to dig into the issue because people want to talk about, well, 
What about women? What about blacks? What about Hispanics? What is the intersection of every population with what's going on with disability? And it's given us the opportunity to say things like, and I, I say this in with the pure math behind me, the last thing you wanna be in this society is a black woman with a disability because your chances of being hired are zero. So if you think 85% is horrendous, Think mm-hmm. about getting hired 100% of, you know, almost 100% of black women with a disability have a really hard finding a job, period, the end. And so, you know, mm-hmm. we have had the opportunity to really cross all the boundaries and talk about all these propositions because it isn't about supporting one population over another. It's really about supporting everybody. And so if I could just say what I think we do that's so special that I think will, um, uh, be relevant here is that we put a coach in place for every single person we put in a job. So we do this job matching, we're like, hey, this is this person's cap- capabilities. This is the job that we're looking at. Here are the accommodations these folks need. And I'm sure Storm talks a lot about this. We, I, Storm's great. Um, but more importantly, we give them a coach for their whole life. And so they mm-hmm. stay in their jobs. We've retained 100% of the people we put in their jobs. That's major. We've got these very extraordinary coaches who kind of come from the hiring manager with the candidate or employee. And they meet like every three weeks, obstacles. It's been fantastic. That's major. We all need that. (laughs) No, we we do all need that. That's definitely been something that, you know, in in our own, um, in our day jobs that we, we definitely championed for people to, you know, lean into coaching and, and, and asking organizations to lean into finding coaches for your employees, because a like that is a key indicator of who wants to be retained within your organization. But then also in the case of creative spirit, it's like, again, reframing what people might feel that the burden quote unquote might be to like, you don't even have to worry because we, we, we are making sure that folks within this organization are supported from a professional level and the growth development retention, the intersectionality, like this is all amazing information that people just need to know. Sim, it looked like you were about to say something. No. Yeah. I think the the coaching is so, is so clutch because you started off the conversation talking about um, being alone and being, you know, by yourself in these spaces. So to set somebody off on the right foot with a coach who understands what it means that they are probably the one of the few or the only one there. It's just, I feel like that's a game changer. You mentioned the 100% retention. And I think that's a good, a big part of it because when you feel supported, you have a, a better chance of existing and thriving within these spaces that tend to not be inclusive. And that's investment, like the investment yeah. in that, like the, the heart, of the investment, the financial investment, like you can't say that you you can't say Creative Spirit doesn't care because you're you're literally putting your heart where your where your programming your policy lie. Um, so that's really exciting to hear. Yeah, it's been it's been fun, and I think the um, I, I I would say you know in a in a otherwise not so great year, you know the bright spot has really been the acceleration of this conversation in general. Right, we started out. We had a we had a fundraiser March fifth. It was crazy. Oh. A really fundraiser like anchors. remember that? Remember March? <laughs> <laughs> and then went home when I worried about like did everybody get COVID? 
Um, but you know, 27 huge companies showed up and they donated their, they donated their money, but more importantly, they donated their time and we got a boatload of volunteers out of it and mentors, which was really amazing. And the word of mouth, you know, in an, about an organization and a problem that nobody talks about. Parents don't talk about it. The people with disabilities don't talk about it. I don't go into, oh, here's one of the things I didn't mention. Um, ask me the percentage of people who actually go into an organization and apply for a job and disclose. Uh, yeah. You think that is 5%. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. So they struggle through these things. And we're getting people who are in their fourth, fifth, sixth job, and they're not 30 years old because they can't hang in. Mm. And, so, and this is not, you know, this is no um, pity party. These are hyper talented people. These are people who are, you know, sort of knocking down walls to get things done because they're super motivated to be a part of an organization. And it's the human connection piece that makes them superstars even more than their abilities sometimes. Yeah. So you, you mentioned uh, 10% of companies uh, not even having, you know, people with IDDs on their radar. How can agencies, creative companies, um, be more inclusive in their strategies around hiring um, and, ret- and retaining people with uh, these invisible disabilities and even the ones with uh, visible disabilities? Yeah, the, um, what, you know, one of the things that we put in place this year is to help really help companies, we're doing so much coaching with the companies more than the candidates sometimes, um, but um, in a good way, we're helping the companies understand, you know, start an employee resource group, like mm-hmm. everybody get together and figure out you know, what their common interest is in the topic. That's number one, because when you've got one in five people being a caregiver in a company, you can imagine the groundswell of folks. Um, The other thing is we um, really expose them very quickly to, Creative is all about action. It's like, we have a pipeline of people. Somebody's got jobs. We want to put them together. I know there's a lot of talk happening right now and education going on. And so one of the things we do to get people started is we just expose them to our candidates. We're like, look at these resumes, look at these fantastic folks, get on the phone, let's do some informational interviews. And it's funny because at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody like shut down hiring. And one of the things we asked companies, cause you know, recruiters weren't that busy, frankly, in the tippy begin in the very beginning of this. Um, and we had them do informational interviews for us kind of as a favor, if you will, to keep our candidates sharp. And the wild of that is a lot of those candidates got hired because people were so bowled over wow. how impressive they were. So I think just wow. getting familiar with the topic, obviously, we provide the coaching, we provide the know-how to get companies started. We're easy to work with. It costs nothing because our, all our support comes from grants. Mm-hmm. And we're extremely open-minded about what problem it is you're trying to solve, if you will. Like, what representation are you really looking for? And we'll keep you honest. We're really honest about that. Like, there are some mm-hmm. companies who say, you know, I've got a billion and a half facilities jobs, and I'm going to put all your people into those jobs. We just don't believe in that. It's not that we don't love facilities jobs for some people. It's just, it, it, it doesn't it's really. Limiting. It's limiting. It's limiting. So how, how, how do folks listening to this, folks, quite frankly, like myself, that work in partnerships and engagement and community, how do we get in touch with you and the Creative Spirit team and partner with you guys? Um, because for me, like, this is a big deal. All, all roads intersect with inclusivity. 
And if you guys are making sure that you are helping folks to be more inclusive with abilities, gender, race, et cetera, folks need to know about you. So, so how do they do that? And how can they partner with you next year? Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. Um, well, the easiest way to get in touch with us is go to the website and you can log on as a company or somebody needs a job. Either way, we're going to reach back out to you very quickly. Um, and the other is you can send us an email at info at creative spirit us.org. And please, please, please follow us on social media. We are pretty much on every platform, creative spirit us. And so um, that's really the easiest way to get in touch with us. And we are starting to do like really fantastic work with a lot of the folks that we admire in the space. Um, I think you'll see, you know, more collaboration next year. There are so many places to, to intersect with us. Um, and we've also been reaching out to people we truly admire, like Darren, Darren Walker at Ford Foundation, um, the, the leads at all the companies we work with, like Angela Harrell at Voya, who we love. I don't know if you've met her yet. She's fantastic. And so um, follow them as well, because they're telling our story, but not just the creative story. They're telling all of our stories. And that's really the important thing about what's going on right now. That's amazing. Well, Laura, we just want to say thank you so much again. Can't thank you enough for everything that you are doing now, everything you've done to help people advance their careers in the past. You are definitely a heavy hitter in this industry and someone everyone needs to know and have an encounter with. Um, so thank you for joining. Um, Sim, thanks for thanks for thanks for uh including this in your busy schedule. And I'm just I'm just thankful the Lord saw it fit for me to make it to this podcast today because I don't know anymore. I don't know. I don't know what I can do anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Every chance that we get to record this year is a blessing. It's a blessing. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad we've made it here. I'm, 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 you know, I'm glad you're here, friend. I'm glad you are, are here to experience this with us, Laurel. Um, and we're, we're happy for all of those of you that have continued to listen to us throughout the years. Um, we're going into our now fifth season, I believe. It's been a long time coming. Um, I think this will pretty much wrap us for 2020. But as always, you guys know to follow us on all the social media platforms um, at Ask Mixed Company. You can visit us online at mixedcompanypodcast.com. Um, or even shoot us an email if people still do that anymore at uh, askmixcompany at gmail.com. Um, and with that being said, listen to us on Spotify, on iTunes, and on Stitcher, and SoundCloud, and, you know. Everywhere. 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 And, and, and maybe partner with us next year so that we can... We can pay some bills too. I don't know, guys. It's 2020. <laughs> stay alive. Stay vaccinated if that's your thing. And, and just stay you. And we will that's... talk to you all another time. Peace out. Peace out.